Welcome to the Sharkpreneur Podcast with Kevin Harrington and Seth Green. Kevin Harrington is the inventor of the infomercial, one of the original sharks from the hit TV show Shark Tank, and has generated over $5 billion in TV and digital direct response sales. Seth Green is the world's first trusted authority on cutting-edge direct response marketing, a best-selling author, and the only three-time Marketer of the Year nominee. On the podcast, Kevin and Seth interview sharkpreneurs who share straight talk on what it takes to explode your business. Why do so many businesses struggle while others seem to explode overnight? Do you wish you had the secret to this type of exponential growth? Now, I've scaled more than 20 businesses to over $100 million, and it's not just luck. In my new book with Mark Tim, Mentor to Millions, you'll learn the repeatable framework I use in all my business ventures for massive success. Order at KevinMentor.com and get over $1,000 in bonuses. Head to KevinMentor.com. Welcome to the podcast. This is your host, Seth Green. Today, I have the good fortune to be joined by Brian Covey. Brian, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Seth. Glad to be here with you. Awesome. So let's go back in time a little bit because you're up to some really cool stuff now. How did you get started in the business? Oh, wow. So 20 years or so ago, and it was funny. One of my friends was actually buying a house and asked for some mortgage advice. And I liked finance and all that stuff and numbers in college and always was um, one of those like kind of real estate nerds. I was paying attention to real estate with friends that built homes and, you know, parents that were in real estate. I was just fascinated by it. And my friend had a need. And I recognized a lot of my friends in kind of their mid-20s needed somebody to help them buy a home. And they didn't want to go to a bank and they didn't know anyone and all that. And I thought, well, I like numbers. I can do math. I can help people. I like people. Why don't, why don't I start a career? And I, I kind of dipped my toe in the water, as I like to say, and got into consumer finance. And so starting like auto lending, credit cards, um, all of that, just learning the business. And then from there, just kind of uh, branched out. And I'm sure the longer version of that could probably be in a book if it isn't already. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about what you're doing now. Yeah. So today I am fortunate. I'm the vice president of regional production. I cover eight states for Loan Depot. We're one of the top lenders in the country. Uh, you might see our commercials or at the actually now Miami, the Marlins Stadium and all that stuff. And so I lead a team of 135 right now sales associates. And then we've got operations in-house processing, underwriting, closing. And that team this year, we've grown. When I started a little over three years ago, we were doing about 250 million a year in annual mortgages. And this year we'll break, it looks like 3 billion. So that's, a ten, that's almost, that, that's more than 10X increase. Yeah. That's absolutely incredible. What do you attribute some of that growth to? You know, a large part of it is, I think we look back, all of us have life experiences. And, you know, I started as an originator and had great mentors, great managers, great people that taught me the business. And as we've scaled those teams, really the part I needed to learn was scaling. And, and one, it's attracting and hiring the right people on your team because I recognize, well, I can't be the person for all eight states. And so we needed local leadership. And I got very clear on who did I want? Why did I want them? What did they bring value to the team? And our team's very diverse, but we have some common traits. One of those is we're highly competitive. We're also very innovative. We love to collaborate. And our team Really, they all are growth-minded, and what I recognize is I needed people to roll with me and, and on our team that would function well, that they also wanted to grow larger organizations and wanted to grow the next generation of leaders. And we could do that together better than any of us could go do separately. And so 
that's what I would tribute. Just a lot of the lessons I've learned through great coaches and mentors, and then actually putting it into practice. All right. You actually got to walk the talk that is, and do walk the walk. That is absolutely true. Managing over a team of over a hundred in different States, obviously presents some unique challenges. What are some of your best practices? How do you make sure everybody's doing the right thing at the right time? Wow. Well, I'd love to say we have it all figured out. Um, we don't. And what, what I've learned, there's a couple skills that COVID really um, highlighted for us. One of those was adaptability. And in our industry, and I think in life, we've realized whether you're a parent or not a parent, you, you know, you, you've, you've probably seen this as if you can adapt quickly and you can recognize opportunities or when things don't go your way, you don't sit in the corner and just pout about it and whine about all the excuses and blame other people. If you can just quickly divert, adapt, take action, uh, that's something that's really been kind of unique to us. And then I look at this too, is like how we've been able to scale this is very unique. I love there's some mentoring happening where a new manager will join and someone else will then say, hey, why don't you come alongside? I've been here for a year in the team and I kind of know what we're looking for. I know what we're doing. I think that's been really cool. I think that's been something that we're learning from each other more than we ever have. And that's going to allow us, I think, to continually scale this out. And we're always looking to coach and to bring people in that can add value to our team. So I think that's going to that's going to kind of fuel our long-term success. How has growing such a diverse, spread out team grown you as a leader? Oh, man, outside of the podcast, it's probably one of the number one things, right? Where I love spending time because each leader, each market is in a different place today. And they also have different desires. And so one thing that I need to get really clear on is, you know, if we're working together, I need to know where you want to go very clearly. And I need to understand what are the tools that you're going to need to get there? Because what's going to be needed in Baltimore, Maryland, or DC versus Birmingham, Alabama, uh, Alabama to New Orleans, to Nashville, Tennessee, those markets are different. So what are we going to do to help each other? And one thing I've learned through the journey is it needs to be their dream and their vision. And then my job as the leader really is more to facilitate and partner to help them get there versus I think as a younger leader, and, and I'm still kind of dealing with this part is I've got a big vision for the team, right? Where we want to go, what we want to do. But my, my vision has to be big enough to incorporate everybody else's visions and their vision needs to be theirs, right? And their dreams need to be theirs. And look, not everybody wants to work that much. Not everybody wants to make seven, eight figures and all, all this. And so what we've learned and I've kind of taken is where, where does Seth want to go, right? Where, where does, you know, the next person, the next leader on our team, where do they want to go and how do we help them get there? In a large part, we, we believe that coached leaders and leaders that are intentional about their growth will absolutely outperform anybody that's not intentional and doesn't get coached. Absolutely. I agree with that one. hundred percent. You mentioned the podcast. Tell us about the show. Oh man, what a cool venture. So it started and I got my first three episodes in, in person, which was awesome. And then, um, you know, after the whole kind of, uh, COVID piece, we started going virtual, which was amazing. I was able to meet people, connect up, and the show actually took, I had to adapt. I had to pivot in a direction of, well, if I'm not going to do this in person, so that that means, and how am I going to get guests? Who am I going to bring on? Who can I bring on? And I'll tell you what, I have learned three big things from that. One is don't be afraid to ask. You could be one person away from changing your life or somebody else's. And so those collaborations, I believe, have a lot of power. And so I would, I would invite the guests that are your dream guests. Two prepare for those. And so I'll spend a good couple of hours to three hours, depending on the guest and understand who they are 
understand what value do you want to bring out of that conversation. But again, be very fluid when you get in the conversation of where do we need to go and why? What's the value we're bringing to our audience? And then the third was the one I didn't expect was the more you do this, and I'm sure you know this, Seth, is the more you do it, the more people you talk to, you're a sponge. You just learn from people and they're almost, I can redistribute that information or lessons that I've learned. And now I've become a better leader. And I, I believe this, you can't pour from an empty cup. Um, that is something that stuck with me that I need to fill my cup. Well, how do you do that? Well, if you have great podcast guests, guess what? You're going to learn. And then it's my, I believe my responsibility to take that back out to the market. And of course, share with my team. That is awesome insight. When growing the division 10x, you know, in a short period of time, isn't a necessarily always smooth curve, right? There's some bumps along the road. What are some of the biggest lessons you learned from managing that type of growth that fast? Uh, hiring the right people is everything. Having people in the right positions matters. And then lastly, it's not enough just to add and you kind of attract and hire the people to your team is when they get here, it kind of goes back to being very clear about what are their intentions? What are they hoping to get from us, right? Because it's a partnership. They joined us because they saw a need we could fulfill. We could help them achieve something they believe they couldn't do on their own, or they would have done it on their own, or they would have done it at another company. And what I love is if they want to be a top producer, how do we help them become a top producer? If they want to be someone that has more quality time and travel, I've got several on our team that look, they don't have kids. They want to travel. That's their gig. And that's awesome. So how do we help them have the quality of life that's there? And, and what I've also learned is it's okay to slow down the growth. If you feel like you're getting in over your skis, as they like to say, or you're going too fast, and you're going to crash. It's almost one of those, if you can see it, we need to moderate that pace. And there's times where I'll even tell the team, we need to press the gas. And there's times I'll say, hey, let's let off the gas for a little bit. Let's get through this period or the season, because if we don't, we're, we're headed into a, an area that's dangerous, right? And, and my job as the leader, I think Simon Sinek talks about this. I've got to provide a safe environment. And if I ever see that's going, you know, in a direction, it's not easy. I wish I could tell you there was like some blueprint, but it's every day. Just listen to your team, be engaged with the team, pay attention to the verbal, nonverbal cues, know your numbers. I'm always paying attention to those things and really be a leader that people want to come and share their ideas because guess what? If their ideas are heard and implemented, your job as a leader is just to make sure they're executed well and that they get delivered and everybody feels part of that growth. And as leaders too often, we just want to grow for the sake of growing. That, that can be unhealthy. And so I think knowing why you're growing, how you're going to grow, and then moderate that at, at times. You've achieved so much success. What's your biggest challenge now? What are you working on? You know, I'm looking at where are we going to be in the next three to five years? And it's really more of a structural thing for me right now of who are the leaders that want to take on more responsibility? Because we all know in leadership, sometimes as you move up in an organization or take a more responsibility, it's either more time. It could be less money, honestly, because many people that in our world that produce a lot, if they're to shift their time and help others, they will get paid less for that than if they just went out and they were the top salesperson. And so there's this dichotomy of okay, who wants to go, but who wants to still produce? And I think we're kind of dealing with that now as we've grown and we've got a lot of great um, leaders, but they're also top producers. And so I think that's what we're just in just open and honest conversation of where do you want to go? Why do you want to get there? How can I help you get there? I think that's going to be it. And then it's also for us is now 
making sure that we have operations, obviously, because sales can't do it without operations. Operations can't do anything without sales. And you think about the culture needs to be one of unity in the sense of sales, processing, underwriting, closing need to feel like, okay, we're all on the same team. We're rowing the same direction. We're in the boat together. And I, I like healthy tension is what I talk about a lot. And as you're growing at this pace, there is some healthy tension. And what you'll find is some people are made for this and are willing to, to put the investment of time in to grow to the next level. And some, look, they're right where they need to be. And that's okay. And I think it's just being clear on, on, on that helps us. Your, your passion's obvious. What do you like best about what you do? Oh, the people, you know, changing people's lives. And then the families that are attached, you know, I think COVID taught us a lot of, I probably saw more Facebook posts and, and we did videos and the cat would walk through the dog or the kid or whatever. And you're like, I feel like in a way, when I would travel into a market before, you know, Seth, I, I would see the team. I, I typically would not see the family and spouses. Sometimes we would, but very rarely would that happen. So now it, I think we've been invited in almost like I use this analogy, like we were at the front door, we might've gotten invited into the foyer. Now we're like in the living room or like the family room. Maybe we're hanging out by the swimming pool and all this stuff. Like we're, we're now together more. I love that. There, there's nothing better than when you can see someone that before you were able to make an impact was here. And now they believe in themselves. They've achieved more success and they see that it's possible. And, and for many of our team, look, they, they didn't come from uh, millionaire, billionaire families at all. And so they're the first generation in their family to be financially free, to understand how to educate their communities and help others achieve the dream of home ownership, to help them manage their debts responsibly. And so there, there's a big responsibility, but I love it. I, I think it's, it's really the coolest opportunity to be able to help others who will help people at a very important time in their life. And most people, the biggest debt is their mortgage. So why not help them actually structure it the right way? Absolutely. The ripple effect is enormous. You are giving advice, growing your team, building your people and yourself every day. What's the best advice you've ever been given? Oh, wow. Um, so the pouring from an empty cup has stuck with me. And I think that's because as leaders, oftentimes we, we just put ourselves into work mode, like all the time. And what I realized is I'm a dad, I'm a husband, I'm a brother, you know, and I'm family to all this. And for me to be able to go to work and then come home and also have a cup that's full to give, there, there needs to be intentionality in the day. And that, that would be for the best advice that, that I could give anybody today is if you're not strategically every day investing in yourself, becoming better every day in some area, and being intentional means, look, I might read something in a book today. I might listen to a podcast today. I might connect up with somebody that could be a coach or mentor and actually attend that webinar that will help me learn a new skill. It's not going to happen by accident. And we look at the highly successful, highly driven people. And we think, oh, wow, they just like, they just worked really hard. They did work hard, but their daily routine, if you were to break it down, is going to have some part, I bet, of mental and physical health that they've spent time with, relational health with their family, friends, loved ones, people they care about. There's also this intellectual side that I think we all need to be connected. And we learned that again, like last year, I go back to, we were forced into the storm and, and there were a lot of lessons that I hope we don't forget. And one of those was there are different ways to connect with people. The power of video is one I have shared quite a bit is if you want to connect with someone today, you don't have to get on a plane and fly out there. And yes, it's great in person and there's, there's benefits, but in a single day, I will probably connect up with on video 
five, six different type of calls. Well, I just left a call with over 40 people on our team that I feel like I saw them. I had a moment. We had a connection. We, we do some things to kind of fun and recognize people, have them engage. But where else can you do that kind of stuff? That As leaders, connect with your team every day. It's, it's not a you know, once in a while thing. Try to add value every day. That's great advice. I know that you are constantly improving, constantly reading, consuming content, developing yourself. Uh, what are some of your favorite books? Oh, the one I recommend the most is Extreme Ownership. Jocko Willink. Man, that and then on, on the heels of that would be Dichotomy of Leadership was really powerful for me of understanding how to scale a team and understanding that there is this kind of push-pull that it's happening and that's okay to feel it. But then you go into like the decentralized command and other things that both those books will teach you as a leader of a team, but it also taught me some things in parenting that I realized, wow, this extreme ownership thing could change your life. And that's when I got very serious about some areas of my life that for many of us, we're, we're playing average and we're getting by. And like, there, there's no signs of like, if you go to the doctor and they were to examine you, they'd be like, hey, Seth, you're good. Brian, you're good. Like, there, there's no problem. But do we want to be average? I mean, honestly, like that to me is where a lot of us spend time. And I've spent time there in my life. And I look at that and go, those books are phenomenal. Um, and then they kind of broke me out of my comfort zone. And then the last one I would tell you, and I love, I'm a Stephen Covey kind of uh, guru, of course, of like following his stuff. I, I think Seven Habits is, you know, if you read it and go back to it, it's one you can go back to, I think, several times in your life. And you can always gain some new insights. So I would, I would share those. And there's some others I'm going through, but those, those have been the most impactful. Awesome recommendations. Fantastic story. Brian, for our folks watching or listening who want to learn more, where is the best place for them to go to learn about you, learn about the company, and obviously check out the podcast? Yeah, all of it now. We just revamped our website. So it's www.briancovey.com. You can see that with the podcast, the book, everything about Lone Depot. If you want information there, you can also see our social feeds through Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, all of it's housed there. So definitely check it out. DM me, let me know that you saw it and um, any way that I can help support you on your journey. I'd, I'd love to do that. Awesome. This has been Seth Green with Brian Covey. Brian, thanks so much for joining us. Seth, thank you. Thanks everybody for watching or listening. We'll see or talk to you next time. Do you need money to fund your idea, product, or service? Are you ready to take your business to the next level but need capital to get it done? Kevin Harrington has heard more than 50,000 pitches and knows how to help you make the perfect pitch to get the funding for your entrepreneurial dream. He's distilled the process down in his perfect pitch cheat sheet, and it's yours for free. Just text PITCH to him right now at 727-888-2100. Text PITCH to 727-888-2100 right now and claim your free perfect pitch cheat sheet. Text PITCH to 727-888-2100 to start funding your dream today. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.